Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. We have a, we have a dramatic praise report tonight. Because the man who played electric guitar tonight literally was at risk of losing his finger on Friday morning. We went away as an eldership team for Friday and Saturday, and Gabe came through on Friday afternoon, and it's Friday evening, and it was like this. Look at it. Look at it. And there was, I mean, tears were pouring from his eyes, pouring. Because he had an ingrown fingernail. Some call it a hangnail. Is that the technical term used in the industry? The hangnail. And that finger was at risk of being lost. And we just want to say thank you, Lord. And, and Gabe, you are inspiring no matter what is the series. And anytime that finger, lose a finger for the gospel. Well done, buddy. And very, very proud of you. I mean, your wife is pregnant and a whole bunch of other things, but you got the sympathy. You got it. It's good. We, it's really, really good. If you're a visitor tonight, like Ed said, we aren't doing a series called Sewing in Samba. Samba. We can do it. That's the next series. Um, and... Uh, it's, we are doing something over the next seven or eight weeks called Sewing and Summer, and tonight we're talking and, and, and kicking that off, really, and we're just going to do it tonight, and over the next weeks we'll just do reminders and encouragements, so we're going to carry on with our series no matter what next weekend, but we want to do something that, to be honest, I've dreamt about for years and, and would love to have done in years, which is do something, say, show me the money. We want to show you where we spend the money and how we spend the money in the church, because we don't believe we are members in the church. You can't be a member in Life Changes Church. You just, you can't. You can be a partner. And, and we believe as we read the book of Philippians, as we read the gospel, that, that God calls us into a partnership, not a membership. And in a partnership, if you're going to enter a partnership in business, actually the first place you will start is, you're a nice guy, show me the money. What do the books look like? What does the financials look like? And so we, we believed, honestly, if we were going to call a church to give into mission, to give into extending the kingdom of God, we had to declare and, and speak about some of that. So if you've walked in tonight and you're a visitor, first time, I met Tim for the first time. It's wonderful to have you. You've walked into that moment where you're sitting around a table with the family and the, the siblings start having a go at each other. You're in the family moment. Welcome to a family. But it's wonderful to have you. We're a city on the hill. We've got nothing to hide. And part of what we're talking about this presenting is how we spend the money because of the mission of God. So we can part. And I trust that is encouraging to you. And I trust that's exciting and, and I want to say a few things in regards to this, that um, when, when we speak about money, and, and we will never speak about money and then take up an offering straight away, because we're not calling people to emotional giving. We're calling to a mission. We're calling to a story that counts. And um, as we speak about this, I'm going to speak about the why of all of us at the end. I know all the clever guys these days say, tell the why first, and if you get the why, then you, you get people. It's, I'm going to tell you the why right at the end. But I want to share some things and say some things about this subject. Actually, we've never done this before. I have never done this before as a church. We've never done this before. And some would say, well, why don't you call a special meeting where we're special and people can come and see how you spend the money at a special meeting. Actually, I honestly believe if we're going to partner and extend the gospel, there should be a measure of transparency in how we spend the money and that you should understand why we do it that way. I believe every cent given to a local church, every cent given to the kingdom of God has to be for kingdom advancing mission. Every cent. Every cent. Even when you buy toilet paper, you're advancing the kingdom of God because you are serving the city well, especially if you get the good stuff. 
and, um, and, and every sense of it. And finances have to be engaged in our key areas of focus and mission. We've got four areas that we believe are key to our mission. That we're saying, actually, this is, if you want to know who we're, we are and what we're on about, these are four key areas that we can highlight to you. The first one is a passion for God. I, I don't know if you saw our bassist rocking tonight. But I watched him because that was a passionate man smacking that bass. And as a white man smacking that bass. I mean, let's be honest, all the famous bassists are not white. They have rhythm, they have a whole bunch of things. But we have one that has got passion, and his name is Duran. And he was whacking that thing tonight, and I love it. But we are called to have passion. And our first and primary passion is for God. It's to worship Him, it's to praise Him, it's to give Him everything. We have nothing else as a church unless we have that. And if we lose that, we've lost everything. So we start there. And then it carries on to say, we have a passion that overflows because it's his passion, which is to reach the unreached. We are the only organization in the world that doesn't exist for themselves. If you're a bowls club and you take up a, a, a levy of your members, you're doing that so you can make your green grass greener. If you play bowls, enjoy it. But a church is there and built, and buildings like this were built by 70 people 13 years ago in tough economic times so that many hundreds and probably thousands over the 13 years can come and hear about the wonder and the glory of God. We are designed, we are, every cent that we engage, that are given to this church, has to be somehow engaged in reaching the lost. Has to be. And then we have another lens that we use that, what do you do when people come, when, you, when they're broken and they're lost, and, and they're coming out of brokenness, and, and, and what do you do with them? Well, you, you make them like Jesus. So the Bible says, take them on a journey of becoming like Jesus. Until the last breath that I take on this earth, I can preach a thousand, a hundred thousand sermons, but until the last breath that I take, my greatest journey that I'm on is one of becoming like Jesus. And until I'm in eternity with him, I'll never fully achieve that journey to the end. But I won't stop. And I'll keep pursuing him. And we have to be investing in making people like him. And the last one is social justice. And we haven't put fully legs and strength to this area as a church, but we're saying we want to extend ourselves in this area. Because we believe that we cannot have the heart of Jesus but not be the hands of Jesus. Provide solutions to our city. Fees must fall. We must start on our knees praying. And then we must ask ourselves, how do we become part of the solution? And if there's finance available, sponsor someone. My education was paid for by an unsaved Irishman who taught me generosity. And when I said to him, how do I pay you back? Because my parents couldn't, and they, I couldn't get a student loan because we had no sureties. And a friend's father's Irish unsaved businessman, a beautiful, beautiful heathen man, <laughs> said, I want to pay for your studies. He said, well, how do I pay you back? He said, well, you can't. Do it for someone else. An unsaved man taught me about generosity. An unsaved man taught me about what the solution to fees must fall is. So that's the grid. And, and when we look at finances, that would be a grid that we use. But we also have accountability structures. And I'm not just speaking to uh, maybe you, some of the young guys. Well, speaking to the older guys one day. No, I'm speaking to every person. I want us to know that this is how our family works. That we have people inside, the elders, who represent and direct the affairs of the church, not just doctrine and theology, but also key financial decisions. Then we have other people inside the church named Sharon Hickman, who is normally seated over here somewhere on a Sunday night. She was here this morning. 
who oversees the finances from an accounting point of view and advises us. We have Malcolm Herbert, who was on eldership in the church, who runs his own businesses and sees every detail of the, line, of the finances of the church. And then outside of the church, Rory Dyer flew up earlier this year, presented, and he asked for certain things. I presented a whole bunch of things about how we spend the money, about how where the health is and where all those aspects are. And Nick Hardy and Craig Clark, just so you know, it's not me sitting around or what should we do. It's a team aspect and there's accountability and there's teaming in that. And we take the stewardship of every cent unbelievably seriously. Every cent. And I laughed this morning at the Milton congregation. There are a few people who do work for the church. They know we take the stewardship of the finances of this church very seriously. Whether it's providing carpets or sounds, it's multiple quotes. It's making sure that we serve this community that I put more effort into serving and making sure that the finances and the stewardship of every cent as if it was my own money. And to be honest, probably more seriously. And um, 2 Corinthians 8, the apostle says, he says, we, w- we want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. We, we are... We are Taking pains to do what is right. <coughs> Excuse me. We want to do what is right. Every cent. Every decision. And you can ask the staff of the processes and the discussions we have. And it's not just about the big numbers. It's about the little numbers. Is this good? Why? And why is it when we speak about money, the church get awkward? And for years I've got awkward. is because this thing speaks to our heart. And because the Bible isn't silent on this issue. 17 of the 38 parables are about money and possessions. There's 500 scriptures about faith, and there's 500 scriptures about hope, hope, and there are 2,000 scriptures in the Bible about money and possessions. And yet we get awkward about the church. Why? Because there's been abuse? Yes. Because, because actually each of us have a journey with this issue, and I don't know anyone who doesn't have a journey, whether there are millions in the bank or, or cents in the bank, all of us have to journey this thing because it's the currency of our world, and we can't kick out of it. And God says, well, you're not of this world, you're of my world, but you live in this world. So money's a thing. And we have to get our hearts under submission to what Jesus says about money. But I want to show some slides and explain to you how we spend the money. Show me the money. So this whole, you wouldn't really know the movie with Jerry Maguire. You wouldn't know that movie, yeah? Have you heard of an old guy named Tom Cruise? He's old and about this big. Have you heard um, he was in it. It was a good movie in its day. We'd probably watch it now and say, nah. Um, and Cuba Gooding Jr. And, um, but, but can I have the first slide up, slide number five? And really, four, I think this slide is, is just titled Generous Church in an Expensive World. And so what I'm saying here and, and what the picture is here is actually over the last, the blue line on your left, and excuse the 2103, we're not prophesying. <laughs> That's purely me very early this morning. And, um, but, but we saw a 0.4% increase in the income and the life of this church in 2013. We saw a 20.4% increase in the income of this church in 2014. We saw an 11.7% increase in 2015. And it hasn't fallen off, and that's not why we, that, that is a year-to-date amount on the right. And the, the lines that you see across there are where we were last year. So we've seen a 40% increase year-to-date this year in the income. And actually what we want to say is thank you. Firstly, thank you to God because He is faithful and true. And we've taken some big steps this year. We planted a church. 
We've, we've sent some of our best to plant. We've invested. We've done something. Why? So that one person could get saved, and yet God has provided. And I want to say thank you to you, to the partners and those who sow in the life of the church and have sowed into the story. And, and my belief is that God is gracious and kind and unbelievably faithful in every cent that is given. And the context of this is, well, there's income, but there's expenses, and we live in an expensive world. Plus, we have seen growth in the life of the church in the last, in this while. And, and, and more people means more use of toilet paper, more use of polystyrene cups, more dirting the floor. And you people break toilets a lot. Just telling you. We have to fix the toilets every second week. Don't know who it is. Is it you, Ed? Not you, eh? Just gentle, those big bastards. Don't, just... But, but keeping a church running, the expenses are real. Plus, we have vision. And I want to just tell you, vision costs money. I don't know about you, but I've walked to my home many times. I drive home feeling inspired and dreaming dreams, and I look, and we're going to do that, and I have this vision, and then I go, yeah, that's going to cost a lot of money. Probably cheaper to buy a new house. But vision costs money. It's no different in the church, and we can't shy away from that. But, um, but we, are, we are in a story, and actually the story we're in is a battle. And we are fighting for souls, and we are fighting for victories, and we are fighting for the broken, and we are fighting for the lost. We are fighting for them, and we are in a battle. And part of that means we draw our resources to that front line, and we say, actually, we want to fight that battle. So the big story there is thank you. And, and actually, the other big story is just to let you know that when you look at those lines, we are not into building up these monster reserves. It's, we haven't got this 25, we're keeping 25% every month to try to save it up. We're not trying to do that. So that's why you see income and expenses roughly in and around. And last year, we actually made a loss. Why? Because God provides us daily. And if he did that for the people in the Exodus, if he did that for his people, and if he promises he provides food daily, then actually we have to believe that and trust that and keep investing, keep building in that story. Can we go to the next slide? These are four different years. And I'm, I want to jump to a consolidated slide, but essentially what this is is how we spend the money in five different categories. We aren't doing line items. If you're an accountant here and you're looking for cost centers, you won't find that here. That is behind here, though, just to let you know. These are drawn from the income statement, the balance sheet of the church over the last four years. But part of what I wanted to tell you here is that the reason we're doing this now is not because there were all sorts of weird things in the past. Actually, it's a consistent financial story with some consistent beliefs that have been there from before I was here when Wally was leading the team and the elders were here into this season. There are some elements that we want to keep investing into. But what we've done on the next slide is an 18-month consolidated view. So what does it look like for the last 18 months? If you've been here for 9, 10 months, what does it look like? And how does our money... See, and, and maybe, so maybe you're here saying, why are we talking about this? Well, we're talking about this because we're a family. We're talking about this because we're a family on mission. And I've had to have moments with my kids in this last year. They are 3 years old, 5 years old, 7 years old. Where we've had some extra costs, like occupational therapy for one of our boys. That costs a lot of money. It doesn't just arrive. So, boys, we actually got to make a cut here, which means those biscuits you think just are on tap and they just arrive in the cupboard, we're going to cut back on those. And actually, we're going to make some changes. And Daniel, that apple you take three bites of and then try to throw away, you will eat that till it's finished. I don't care if it looks brown and old. You are going to keep eating that apple. Yes, Dad. Because we're family. And we're moving forward. And sometimes we need to invest in different areas. And um, so the key point in this slide is we've broken into five different areas. And so what I'm saying is this is the 100% of our spend and how we spend it. 
So I'm going to start with, we've broken into five different areas. The first one is ministries and special events, which is that 6%. And I want to make a couple of statements around that. What's involved in here is youth ministry and kids. And then outreach events, like Alpha. Last year, we kicked off Alpha and we hosted 150 people for six weeks. And we fed them every week. We printed materials to give them. And most of them don't know Jesus at all. I would do that every day of the week for the rest of my life so that people could come to know Jesus. I just want to tell you how our money follows vision. Let me tell you about kids. Because if you jump to the next slide, which just shows that actually we've, we've increased our spend on, fire, on, on the, this area and this ministry, um, that shows that actually even though we, we, it's only 6% of our spend, actually it's, it's growing. And year to date, we've increased it dramatically. It's only seven months. It's because our vision is to see those who are far from Jesus come to know him. So we've got to be investing and putting legs there. I want to tell you kids is one key, key, key area. In our era, 60 to 65% of our homes are single-parent homes. It means they've got one parent. It means someone's under pressure, a mom or a dad. It means when they come to church, they are looking to breathe. They're looking to have people who can come alongside them, moms and dads who look like families who serve behind the scenes there with us still and, and a big team there. And then we need to serve them well. If we want to see this city change and this area change, let's love their kids well. It's not hard. It's not church strategy. It's just being good stewards of our finances. Can we jump to the next one? Because I don't want to spend days and days here. The second area that we're going to look, actually, if you can go to slide number five again, please. And so I just want to, so the first one is, is how we invest in ministries and, and mission and youth and, and kids. And we need to invest more there. The second one is that big 18%. It's called keeping the lights on. Because here's the amazing thing. Fees must fall and Eskom charge churches for electricity. It is a tragedy. I was shocked. I, I mean, I know some of you are shocked. It's a, it's a tragedy. And, and they charge churches for electricity. The municipality charges for water. We have to keep the lights on. We have to make sure that, that there's a mole that attacks our things. In the, there's, a, there's a vicious mole the size of a dog that attacks. And somebody has to deal with that mole. And it's not me. And, and toilets break. And, and that happens. And we need to keep the lights on. So actually that 18% is totally, it's, it's making sure that it's not even investing in the building like carpets and that, that's coming. It's just keeping the running costs of the church. The same way a home has running costs, but I can promise you, if we can have this slide for this, please, that, that we'd work incredibly hard to make sure that we keep these costs to an absolute minimum. Incredibly hard. Be it negotiating um, contracts on, on a printer, be it um, making sure that we get the best price for cups. Tyler, what's the price of cups? 78%. Actually, Tyler, can we get it for 70 cents? Okay, Mark. Yes. <laughs> Why? Because I want to have more money to spend on kids. I want to be faithful with every cent. I want to be a steward. Part of stewarding, a massive part of stewarding is faith. Another massive part of it is looking after what God has given and doing that well in wisdom. So actually what you'll see here, that even with the investment, even with increased um, pressures on the building, we've been able to maintain these and work on these costs as we've added some cost to the building. Then if we can go back to number slide number five, please. I'm going to shoot this. Is this all right? Yeah. It's a little bit quicker than this morning. But there's a section on the right here in the gray called Beyond Our Walls Giving. 
And, and this is saying, this money is not about money that is for us, given to us. We are giving, it's been given to the church, and we are giving it away. We give it to other church stories, whether they are building buildings, whether they are pastors in trouble, whether they are launching ministries, we give it to them. We, give it, we want to partner with church plants, and we get to release Wally and Shirley to travel and to minister into churches, and we get to give them as a gift, and there's a financial cost to that in travel and other aspects of their time and that, that, that gets allocated to this because it's part of our giving. So we might not necessarily be able, we can give them gifts that can launch them into new seasons. And we want to be, keep being a church that keeps on the mission of God. And it's not just about our mission. It's got to be about His mission. It's got to be outside of our walls. And we would love to see this increase. So if you want to know, Mark, where we're going, we'd love to keep being a church. we got friends who flew down from Joburg to Cape Town to come and visit at the launch of the Millington site. Then they got on a plane and they flew home. And with faith, they were saying, actually, we're a young couple. And there's a nation of Japan where 1% of the people know Jesus. We want to go there. We want to partner with faith like that. That even if it's got no name of life changes anywhere near it, we want to make sure that we keep investing, that mission and the gospel goes to the ends of the world. And if we can just jump to the slide that reflects this, you'll see that actually we've maintained the level of here, and I would love us to grow this area. And year to date, so that again is just a year to date figure, it will grow as the year continues, as we can keep investing and giving beyond ourselves. But I think it's really important that you know the stuff. Because if we are partners, I want you with faith, if you give 10 rand in a month, I want you to faith to know that actually 1.1 rand of this is going, and it's, I'm not going to benefit it at all. It doesn't mean they're going to have nicer cups at church. It doesn't mean that the seats are going to have soft, cushy covering on them. It means that the gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth. It's really important that you know that. The next section, and, and it's, um, it's called Heart for the House. It's top left, and it's in blue. It's 7%. And what this is, is investing in this house. Now, you know what is profound is about that number, and the reason that number is 7%. Is because 13 years ago, 70 people in faith built a building so that you could come. Understand this, 70 people, less than what we have here tonight, built this. Through their sacrificing. You know what it looked like? It looked like giving up timeshare. It looked like selling watches that were given that they weren't using. And it looked like sacrificing. Why? Because they saw something and they understood something. That seed planted in the ground grows into fruit that impacts the ends of the world. And so the reason that cost is only 7%, and the reality is this building is now 13 years old, it's starting to age. And it's starting to, we, we get the spontaneous leak every now and again. And it's not the glory of the Holy Spirit, it's a brass pipe that is substandard. And, and we've got to fix it. And, and that's okay, but we need to invest. And what's in here is what we invest in. It's coffee machines that need to be bought. It's, it's, it's maintenance, it's carpets. Sorry for the guys that sit up there in the morning who haven't done their carpets yet. But you know it costs 70,000 rand to replace carpets in this hall? It's, it's air conditioners that keep us cool in summer and warm in winter. And the privilege, that's 75,000 rand. I just, it's good for you to know that. Because it's part of, even if you cannot give financially to that in any substantial way, it's good to appreciate it. It's good to be grateful to God that we would remain a people that are grateful to God and not become entitled in any way. Because I think an entitled church needs to then give up air conditioners, give up buildings, go back under the tree and see Jesus again. Is that all right? And the last one and the biggest one is a highball, 58% on staff costs. 
Just so you know, two of the men that we relate to, Rory and, and Nick Hardy, they oversee about 80 to 100 churches' finances. So they see a good average mean. And some of those churches are small church plants, some are big churches, some are substantial churches. And, and by their estimations and experience in overseeing that many churches, they would say if your co- staff costs are under 60%, you are doing well. Why? Because it's people. People multiply. We need people to multiply serving leaders. We need people to be teaching. You know also why we need it and why I love this man so much? Because I've heard stories of him going to visit a man who used to be in this church named Dave Old who is dying. Is it okay if I tell a little bit about that, Wally? So that you know when you phone your pastor and they can't meet you is because on Monday Wally went and sat with Dave for two or three hours and watched, what was the name of the movie? Risen. Risen. And then spoke to Dave about relationships that might not be in order. And then sat with Dave while he made phone calls to people where relationships are out of order. As he processed him and Dave's family and carer and neighbors to the reality that Dave is going to pass now. He's going to a better place. But he's pastoring the unsaved neighbors. He's pastoring the carer. What's the carer's name? Webster. And while he keeps coming back, so I had such an amazing time with Dave. I'm highly challenged, guys, to be brutally honest. But actually, we need people to do that. Not machines and systems and emails. People. And uh, just so you know, we have 11 full-time staff that makes this happen. From morning congregation to evening congregation to, to table view, Milneton to the building, to the facility. There's an amazing lady, Thelma, who, who comes in and when, when my kids mess popcorn around that area and we try to clean up as best, Thelma has to just make sure it's properly clean. Very grateful for Thelma. But we have 11 staff and then we have two people who consult to make sure that designs are done and that financial books are done because we don't have a full-time accountant. Just to let you know, and I think it's helpful for you to know that, we do believe that a church is run by the hands and the heart and the work of many, But you've got to activate volunteers, and someone's got to keep the the skeleton of that alive. So it looks like an employment like Fiona last year, and it looks like an employment like Shay, who who now serves on a half-day capacity for Life Kids, making sure that the Life Kids stuff is done. It's good for you to know that. So that's the finances of the church. And if we just go to the last slide that reveals um, the staffing cost, you'll see that we're actually working hard to keep that to a minimum. We're working hard. I want to tell you this, because I'm super proud of this team. They work really hard. I've worked in some pretty tough corporate environments. I started as a graduate in a blue chip company named Unilever, working very long days. But I witnessed people work very hard so that this survey community gets served. And actually, my job normally is to make sure that they don't overwork because of the overlap of passions, beliefs, and a job can sometimes get blurred. Just to let you know that. They work very hard. And... Um, I want to remind us on why we're doing sowing in summer. Are you guys all right? Are you still with me? It's like no one's run out yet. If you need to run out, just scream and run out. And, um, and, and we, there, are, there are four kind of main key issues. The first one is this. It's not about what we can do. I'm not going to get up and say, Mariette and Theo, we all give a thousand rand and there's 700 people in the church and we all give that 700,000 rand. It's not about what we can do. It's about what happens when the gospel gets in our hearts, the gospel gets in our story and grips us. And so we're not putting thermometers up on the wall and crossing out sections. I could not do that. I would die doing that. I just want the gospel to grip. And if the gospel has gripped you and you believe it, 
You see, part of who we want to get us to just encourage us, and we're not, actually, we're only going to preach this week, and, and from next week onwards, we're continuing with the series. So we're not going to be preaching about sowing in summer every week. It was just this week we wanted to position it. But we would love to get guys like Anton and Lee Trudeau who got saved in this church and, and got so called by the gospel that they felt they wanted to go plant a church. So they went on a faith venture to plant a church in Brackenfell that they're still leading. And Murray, who's leading a church in J Bay, same story. Why? Because 70 people, housewives, businessmen, just faithful people who believed in the faithfulness of God. So it's about the gospel. And the only thing I need to motivate you with is the gospel. It's not guilt. We won't guilt you. Oh, look what this guy did. What are you doing? Not going to do that. But I will motivate you with the glory of the gospel. That is worth my life. It's worth life and death all for the glory of God. And our, part of my trust and my belief and my dream is that in and through this, when we allow God to come in and bring order to our finances, that there would be a supernatural miracle called order. That in a world where there's chaos on finances, and guys, I'm sitting with people all the time in counseling meetings, and generally there is chaos. And there's no clarity. And I'm seeing married couples who have been married for years, and they don't have a clue what the finances are. And God's saying, actually, I want to bring my government, because where my government is, there is peace. We want the peace of God, so we need the government of God, which is His word and His truth bringing down. And so my prayer is that God would bring healthy the habit, the healthy kingdom habit of giving into our normal everyday life. And yes, maybe we're using a kickstart vehicle to do that, but our trust becomes an everyday reality for us. And the last one is that every partner has a part to play. I told a quick story last week, but, but every part, every person, this is not for the rich for the saved of 30 years. Don't miss out. Partner in something bigger than yourself and live a life bigger than you could dream of. And so one of the scriptures that has gripped us is Psalm 78. And it says that the reason to do anything as a believer is that the generation to come might know God's praiseworthy acts. That the church still to be born might arise and recount them to their children. So the children still to be born would take the gospel to the children still to be born. Craig made an incredible statement last week. He said, most of us are thinking about our next three meals when the gospel calls us to think about the next three generations. Most of us are thinking about the next three meals when the gospel is saying, will you consider the next three generations? And the church has got to wake up to realize there is a war, there's a battle for young people. Why? Why lights? Young people see lights. They see stuff. They are judgmental. You guys are judgmental. <laughs> the statistics and the, and the guys say, these guys in nine seconds have made an opinion about the preacher. Well, take that shirt and judge it. It's even got these buttons. And, um, but they're a judgmental generation. They are. And, and actually, we want to serve them because we need to get the gospel to them. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Here's 2 Corinthians 9, generosity encouraged. It says, so I thought, I, and I'm going to start verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Stop the bus, Mark. Stop. You're going down a dangerous road here of prosperity preaching. 
stop getting so excited. No, guys, it's in the Bible. And has it been abused? Yes, it's been abused. I'm not going to stand here and lie. But it's still truth. And to not bring the truth is also abuse. To not teach the church that actually we worship a God who gave his life and prayed the greatest prayer, Father, not my will. It's not my will to give anything away, to be brutally honest. But I want to represent him and I want to be on a journey that gives him glory. He says, each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Make personal decisions on what you would like to give. I don't need to know, and no one needs to know. And do it cheerfully, please. Otherwise, don't give a cent. God doesn't need our money. He will advance his kingdom. But he's asking, will you partner with me? Will you be a part of the greatest story ever known to man called the gospel? We need it. And he carries on in verse 10. And I want to jump ahead a little bit. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of righteousness. And it's not the only place in the gospel that God speaks and God reveals to us that actually we are given seed and bread. When last did you receive the money in your bank from your salary if you have the privilege of receiving a salary and say, how much of this is seed and how much of it is bread? Because when I sit with people, all I hear is about bread. And yet the Bible says I'm given seed and bread. And do you know that a cob of corn with butter and some salt and some spice is very nice. It's like, I love that. But you know that if you take that same cob of corn and you don't eat it, and you strip all the kernels and you plant those in a healthy field, you'll get 70 plants with 700 crops that'll grow. Now we do need to eat. And we do need food, and we do need homes, and your kids need education. But is there seed? Is there just one cob of corn that could lead to a a harvest way beyond what we could possibly imagine? It's my belief that God is faithful to His promises. And I want to jump just into the last. I want to make a few statements out of Philippians 4. I want to rush this. So I would ask that you go read from verse 10 to the end of Philippians 4 as we are in the series no matter what. Here's the crazy thing. I was keen to do this a year ago, and you know what happened? We had a fasting time, if I'm being brutally honest. And I thought in faith, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask who, who has need here in finances? We're going to pray as a church. You know what happened? There were very few people left to pray because most of the church came to the middle to be to receive. And as a leader and as a pastor, I felt the shout of the enemy, to be brutally honest, saying, how can you ask these people to give? Let me tell you why. With conviction and courage, I can. Because the apostle encourages us, and it's a gospel story, and I just want to draw a couple of things up. We can have the Philippians 4 scripture up, please says in verse 11, I'm not saying this. He's encouraging them to give. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned what it means to be content, whatever the circumstances, no matter what. So he's, he's found a contentment in his circumstances. He found a contentment in the provision of God. But I want to tell you something else about Paul. He's the most ambitious man you'll probably ever read about. Yeah. Ambitious for the glory of God. Until 28 years old, I was unbelievably ambitious for the glory of Mark Van Pletsen. 27. 
I walked with a limp because my parents lost everything, and my ambition was to be successful in the marketplace. I didn't want to be a pastor. And God began to work and shape. You know what he had to do in that process for me? Maybe not for you, but there was a lot of selfish ambition. A lot. He had to crush. A little bit like what he had to do with his son so that what could rise up? An ambition for his kingdom. Honestly, let me confess, I'm ambitious. I want to see more people worship Jesus. I want to see more broken marriages made whole. I want to see more people who've moved from foreign nations with no family story get knitted into a family that loves them. I want to see single moms who have nowhere to go with their kids feeling completely overwhelmed who arrive at the front door of this church saying there's a hole this size in me. I don't know what to do. Say, I know what name's Jesus. What a beautiful name. I'm ambitious for the name of Jesus. That more would come to know him. In verse 14, he carries on. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. See, they've chosen. He's in prison. He's in all this stuff. They've chosen. We are partners in the gospel. That's what Ephesians, Philippians tells us about. Partners share in the highs and the troubles. We've got to share. See, in the world, it's in the world of Lee and our friends in the world, it's like, hey, Lee, we're buddies, and Lee's taking over the world, and then Lee hits the wall, and, and Lee needs someone to feed his kids. Whoa. Funny how WhatsApp, some problem, problem with my WhatsApp, problem with my phone, I can't. Sorry, Lee. So what, Lee? What? What? In the church, we run to it. That's what we are called to. We are called to run to the brokenness. First in our midst, so that we can run to the brokenness of our world. Verse 15, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, here's the thing about this church, they're new believers. And maybe you're saying, well, I'm, whoa, Mark, whoa, let me just be here for the next five years, get my five-year certificate of attendance, and then I'll partake in a gospel story, and I'll count. These guys were new believers, far younger than the other churches Paul was working with. And yet they pulled in, and they got stuck into a gospel story. And here's the kicker. Verse 17, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. How's it go, Gabe? You can have Mercedes-Benz living with go-kart giving. It's rubbish. It's rubbish. I'm not going to tell you that. What I will tell you is that your giving has got nothing to do with my ability to make sure. It's got everything to do with the faithfulness of God. And Paul says, actually, it's good for you to give. And I know it's good for you to give because there's a credit for you in God. In God. Next year, we've got challenges. We've got occupational therapy. We've got speech therapy. And I'm going, God, how are we going to? God's saying, actually, will you trust me with your children? Oh, but I did then, God. And can I, can I not do that now? No, no, no. It's not how it works. And then the last, he says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory. I honestly believe there is no shortage of supply in this world. Just have a shortage of understanding of this heart. We have nations and people riddled with self-love. And we've got to find the heart of God. So what are we calling you to? To finalize this and to land it. Well, actually what we're calling you to this is given to two areas. So if we can put slide number five back up, please. We are not asking you to give to the big yellow part called salaries. Let me just explain to you, redheads in ministry are very expensive. They just, they're hard to find. And then when you find one, there's a big bun fight. So you got to, <laughs> 
We're not asking any cent that is given to sowing some will not go to that and it will not go to keeping the lights on. It just won't go there. We want to make sure that every cent is seed that is sown that we can sow. So there will be some, we need to work on this building so we can host the city well. This building's 13 years old and there's some things we need to do to make sure that we can serve the kids even better. And that costs money, just to let you know. Probably between the region of 1.5 to 2 million rand. That's what it costs. We'd like, we need to add more classrooms so we can serve. There's a shortage of schools in the area. Why can't we provide schooling at a reasonable rate that kids encounter Jesus? And then we are able to give bursaries to some of those kids. And single moms who are unsaved, who send their kids here because they love the school. And we've had a situation. Yeah, let me not give too many details away. We can do that stuff. And we're partnering in a great big story. And Milnerton. These guys are expensive, man. I'm joking. The sound desk at Milnerton is shot. Doesn't just fix itself. We've sent it repair, repair, Tyler, get it fixed. Cost 30,000 rand to replace a sound desk. Just telling you that, because if this is your house and this is your home, when my kids come home and I say, and my boy kicks a ball into the TV, I say, but, and he goes, well, sorry, Dad. Now, let me explain to you how this one works, boy. You you see your ball that cost 100 rand, that thing you just kicked it into cost 50 times that much. We've got to make sure. And none of this is to guilt you into anything. It's just to, to bring you up to speed. And the second one we do and to invest into is beyond our walls. Social justice and giving to church plants and other church stories. We want to start putting some hands and feet to our social justice endeavors and supporting those within our community who are already doing that. Because honestly, we have areas in need right on our doorstep. And our key focus and area will be site five and Danoon, right here. So that actually where our money goes, our hands and our feet can also go. We think that's important. So how does this work? We're doing this and we're making it available to the end, in the middle of December. It's the next, from now, six or seven weeks, where actually we would ask that you would take, with faith, one of these envelopes that has the bank details, preferably if you're able to do an EFT or if you have cash, pop it in here and submit it and reference it sowing in summer. And I would also ask, because my wife and I, with, with realities of life, we're able to give an amount now, but we're actually not able to fully give the amount we felt God called us to give. We are making a pledge in our hearts. Please don't write a pledge in here. No one's going to phone you and chase you up on it. I promise you, I cannot make that phone call. And I will never make that phone call. But in your own heart, in your own way, say if, if, you, if you can't. And part of how we are doing that, we're making some lifestyle changes for this next season. You know why? Because I want my kids to see. They must know that Jesus is worth sacrificing for because he's given it all. And if I don't show them, I'm a, I'm a parent that's lacking faith and not fully walking in my job. Just telling you, they're going to know that the reason those privileges are taken away and we can't do that thing is actually because Jesus loves his bride and he wants to add to his bride. And we want to free up seed to sow for the next six months in our story. I'd encourage you the same. But I want to land on this, the why. And I know it's a bit longer tonight, so is that, you guys are right. Everyone breathe in. Okay. I want to share with you the why. Because I don't care if you remember about pie charts. I want you to remember a few things. Can we put up those, the slide where it says, love God, love people, living to change the world. This is who we are. This is our mandate, and I believe it's the mandate of every church and every believer. Love God, love people, and live to change the world. But if we can have the next slide, please. This is why. 
because the man in this picture's name is Maurice. He's from Nigeria, studied political science. And we, he got saved, and he said, actually, I've got to get baptized. And so he got baptized in this family. And you know what? We can hardly, we, we literally have to fight him to stop him serving this community. He serves every Sunday all the time. And the lady in the background who looks like nervous, like he's going to get drowned, that's become a surrogate mother. Her name's Yuna. She loves him, and he loves her. Why? Because 70 people believed God and believed that seed could do something amazing. Can we have the next slide, please? The man on the, on the right's name is Neron. He, he is, was a Jewish man who landed up in our militant site and gave his life to Jesus and said, actually, I want to get baptized. And the man baptizing him is in this community in Tableview and has prayed for him for years because he's his friend. And Gabe phoned Ryan and said, Ryan, your friend Neron pitched up at Tableview. He's given his life and he wants to get, at Milton, he wants to get baptized. So Ryan went across and baptized his friend. Just hold on, guys. I'll, I'll call the slides if you can. Um, and and, and those, that's, that's why. Because to plant a church costs money, guys. We've had to buy sound systems. We've had to do that stuff. It's a reality. And if I don't share that with you, I'm not allowing you to partner in a faith story. Can we have the next slide, please? That's Ben Besson. He was at Milton this morning. He's been coming to the evening service. Yeah, he sits every week with his notepad and he takes notes. He's been saved for a few years but not made the decision to get baptized. And he came here. He felt he got, gave in faith. said, actually, I've got to be baptized. But let me tell you a little bit more about that picture. On the right of him, or left of him and two our routes is a man named Moses, who a few weeks before that moment, his nine-year-old child, nine-day-old child, who was born at 26 weeks, premature, passed away. And when we were doing baptisms, we said, Moses, would you be, he said, I'd love to do baptisms. He's not from this country, he's from Zimbabwe. And yet he's baptizing Ben, and on the other side of Ben is a man with very short shorts named Edwin who's leading the meeting tonight. Who's an Afrikaans man. Studied the Bible for many years. And gets the privilege to do the gospel with men from different nations, different cultures, different ages, different backgrounds. Why? Because someone sowed seed. Can we have the next slide, please? That's a family you'll know that man is the guy who slaps the bass. And that's his son, Tyler. And and we want to keep sowing and keep pioneering and not settle down and create a comfy environment for Christians. The day I came here and the guy, uh, I had the privilege of Wally handing me the leadership of this church, I said, I can't do safe, secluded, suburban Christianity for Christians. If we aren't changing the world, something's wrong. We need to allow ourselves to be re-engaged and re-engineered so that families can get in the waters of baptism and baptize their children. Can to the next slide. That is one of the most beautiful pictures of my three years in Cape Town, that I, and I wasn't even there. That is Gabe's wife, Fiona's mom, who when Fiona gave her life for a few months after that, a number of years ago, her mom struggled with her decision to give her life to Jesus. And then the first baptism when we planted the church in Milneton, the very first baptism was the planting couple's mother who gave her life to Jesus and decided to relocate from Stellenbosch, quit her job, get a new job here so that she could buy, because she's discovered family. Can I have the next slide, which is Kat, and the one after that as well is Mike. They are a married couple who moved from Pretoria and they've done church. 
But they've encountered Jesus and they said, well, actually, we, we haven't been baptized. We want to serve, we want to be baptized. And they got baptized. And I think we got one more slide. And uh, this young man is here tonight. Where are you, bro? <laughs> Outside of Jesus, that thing's a nonsense. <laughs> he got saved on Easter. Two weeks later, someone from this church prayed for him to go on a youth camp. Doesn't have a dad that is in his life actively. And in community, he's found a man named Johnny Roberts who doesn't take nonsense. But who loves that man. He's also found a man who's not that much older than him named AJ, who's not just his friend, he's also like a father to him. And I'm not awkward talking about this with him here because it's the gospel story of his life. Why will we keep pioneering? Why will we keep asking a big ask? Because Jesus calls us to ask a big ask. Is that all right? Can we close our eyes for a second? We've got an announcement, but we'll, we'll make that next week. I, I just ask, can you lay your hands on your heart? I, I pray, Spirit of God, put the bigness of the gospel in this small heart of mine and give this church a big heart that represents you well and not just good at doing church. I pray let the gospel grip and even in this series, I pray where smallness have gripped and the enemy has sharpened with fear and anxiety. I pray, Spirit of God, bring peace and courage now to every heart so that you get all the glory, King. Amen.